Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. What? It says, when you weren't saved, you were caught up in the course of this world. And I was. I look back at when I wasn't saved and many of the things that I would have done just because this is what everybody was doing. This is the direction things were going in. And so when you weren't saved, you once walked according to the course of this world. Then it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. And it says, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience. So not only did I used to walk according to the direction the world was going in, I also was directed by Satan. Who directs your path? Is it God or is it you? Pastor Bill today, through his uplifting words, tells you about the pitfalls that you may encounter when you walk the direction the world is going. If you find your life looks a lot like someone who hasn't been saved by grace, it's time for a reality check. Take some time to figure out why you're so drawn to this world when you know that there's nothing of value here. Satan's going to deceive you. So watch out, seek Jesus instead, and let him guide you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Today, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I titled it Before and After because in this section, we're going to get a look at what, what our life was like before we met the Lord, how God intervened, and then what it looks like afterwards. And this is what I want everyone to consider because either you're, you're either sitting here as a believer, as a Christian, someone that's been born again. And so this for you will be a reminder. This is what I was. This is what God did for me. This is what God has made available to me. And for some of us, we need to be reminded. We need to be brought into remembrance. We need that stirred up anew and afresh. It's who we really are in Christ. And so for some of us as believers, I hope that today God will stir your heart up that that you will you will be yielded to the Lord like like maybe you haven't been yielded. You'll be reminded today of what he did for you. If anyone's here and you don't know the Lord in a personal way, there isn't a personal relationship. I pray that you'll look at what he makes available and you'll read it as an invitation because the invitation is out. All that would come, all that would receive him, God invites you to come and know him in this way. And I was thinking of this with regard to before and after. A lot of people use before and after pictures to sell products today. A lot of, you know, a lot of weight loss stuff. You know, they'll put a before picture of somebody all fat and then they'll have an after picture and they're all ripped up. And it's like, if you buy this pills, you know, if you buy this gym machine or if you if you buy this juicer and use it, you know, this can be you. It's easy, you know, and, and most of them tell you, you don't have to work out or do anything. Just do whatever. And the before and after pictures probably are Photoshop and everything else. But they use that. That's a medium that they use to to sell you to say, hey, look, this is what you were. This is what the person was. This is what they became doing this. I've seen them for hair, you know, not that I want any, but I've seen them like, you know, they, they got one for hair and, and, you know, you buy this stuff and. And somebody balk and start sprouting out new hairs or whatever. And uh, I, I told the last service that if that was true, uh, I know a basketball player that would buy it. So I don't think it's really true. You know, won't name it. You guys know that I like I love car restorations. I love to see something go from, you know, I love to watch the shows where you see it in the beginning and it's, it's just a mess. And then by the end, it's this brand new product. Well, in this section of Ephesians 2, God does these before and afters and God does restorations, but he doesn't do them with things. He does them with people. He does it with souls. He does it with the heart, does it with the hearts of men. And so look at chapter two, verse one, and we begin looking at the before picture. And it says, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins 
And so the first thing that we know about our life before we met the Lord is the Bible says you were past tense. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And I'll explain what those are They're They're both unique. They're both a little bit different. But God says you were dead. You're, you're before you got saved, before he made you alive, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And we might read that and say, well, no, I was very much alive when I wasn't saved. I remember when I wasn't saved, I was I walked around. I did what I wanted to do. When it says that you were dead, it's speaking of our, our spiritual life. You were spiritually dead and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And here's the distinction. A trespass is a so willful stepping over the line. A trespass is that stuff that you did that you knew better. Everybody here done some stuff that you knew better, even when you weren't saved. Even when we're not saved, there's things that we know better, and we did it anyway. That's trespass. I know better. My, my, my conscience is telling me. The law of God is telling me something. I know better than to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. The other sin is just regular old sin, just missing the mark. We all have done both. Amen? And so Bible says you were dead in that regard. You were spiritually dead because of your trespasses and sins. If you guys remember in the Garden of Eden, when God told Adam, he said, look, in the day that you eat of this tree, you will what? Surely die. He didn't fall down dead the day he ate it. But that day, death entered the world. Sin entered the world. Separation from God. They were these people were in perfect fellowship with the Lord. They were naked and unashamed. They were enjoying, you know, God and all of his greatness. And from that day, they were ashamed. They were covering themselves up. They were trying to hide from God. Everything changed. They were separated for the first time in their lives. And so the Bible says, hey, before you met the Lord, you were dead and trespassed in sins. But it says before that in you, he made alive. And so all of us here that are saved, all of us here that have been given spiritual life, whose energy was it that, that made us alive? God says you, he made alive. He made me alive. I can't boast in my spiritual life. I can't be arrogant about my spiritual life. I can be very thankful for what God has done for me. Amen. So the first thing in our before picture is we were dead and trespasses and sin. Verse two, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so here we get another thing where, you know, God explains how we used to conduct ourselves, how we used to live our lives. And so the first thing we get in verse two is that we once walked according to the course of this world. When the Bible says the, the course of this world, the idea is this. The world has kind of a, a direction that it's going in. We learn later in the verse, who gives this world the direction that it's going in? Who sets the course? Satan does. So anybody here, when you weren't saved, sometimes what you know, church folk call people that aren't saved, we call them worldly. What does that mean? It means they're just kind of going with the flow of the world. How many of us, when we weren't saved, were doing that? Just kind of whatever the world was doing as, as a young person. Just why do kids want to wear that? Because everybody else has that. You know, why do they want to go somewhere? Why do they want to hear something? Because everybody else, just the, this is just the direction that the world is going in. It says you used to walk that way. For some of us, if you, if you didn't grow up saved, you can look back at a point in time in your life and say, yeah, I remember. I remember when I was walking that way. What you don't want to see if you're saved is that you're still going that way. That the world is still kind of, you still just caught up in the flow of this world. And so we have to be aware of that. God said, look, before you got saved, before I made you alive, you were walking according to the course of this world. And I'm, I'm mindful as a parent. Obviously, I wasn't saved as a kid, but I got saved. And I, I keep looking at the different ways that the world is, you know, does it for adults. Uh, how does the world try to sway adults through talk shows, new information? How come there's an era now for most of us that are my age, 
We grew up regular discipline. You know, anybody that grew up in the, you know, if you were born, I was born in 75. Before that, after, you know, around that time, you grew up around that era, you got spanked, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Say it like you mean it. Say it, say it like she here with the belt right now, right? There was, there was just, that's just the way we were raised up. You got, you did bad, you got discipline, right? And have you guys noticed the trend now? The trend now is, no, you know, you just gotta, you're gonna crush their spirit. You know, you have to talk to them, naughty carpets and stuff. And then what do we have? We got kids smacking their parents, rebelling, saying whatever they want. I, I watch some of these things and I'd be appalled like, man, I could, I know, I know that would have, nobody that I grew up with could ever have done that. And I grew up with some bad kids. I don't care how bad you were, you weren't bad in front of mom. Amen? And if you had a dad, however bad you were out there, when you got back in front of, yes, sir, uh huh, yep. But, you know, you just felt you fell in line. Why? Because there was some order there. The world will sway adults in that way. And our kids, our kids are living in this world. So through the media, through music, through all these things, the world is the world is trying to point them in a direction. We have to be really careful that we don't we don't allow that to catch us in its way. I got to realize I live in a world that's moving in a direction opposite of God. And I got to step back sometimes and say, wait a minute, why? Why would I do that? Or why would I fall into that trap? I remember when. Uh, when my daughter, when Harmony was, was smaller, uh, when she was a little girl, and I used to, you know, I didn't go shopping with her, but my wife would go. But I remember one time going, and we were in the little, I mean, we were in the junior section, little girl section. They ain't even developed yet, little girl section, but it was all like, I don't know what the girls that were singing were, but it was all the outfits was nasty. And I was like, these are for little girls. My wife can't wear that out. You know, like this is, she can wear that at home with me. You know what I mean? Like, like it was, but those were the outfits. That was, That's what was there. And if I guess if you succumb to it, then then that's what our kids will look like. I took my son to the mall yesterday and I, I'm trying to explain to him. I'm, I'm noticing a trend that with male clothing, a lot of it is getting more and more effeminate. Um, do y'all see that? Yeah. I, when I was coming up, the dudes looked like dudes. Even if your pants were sagging or whatever, those were guy clothes. Those were girl clothes. There was no... There was not really many things that crossed over. You might give a girl your jacket, you know, but everybody knew she was wearing a dude's jacket. Now you got guys with hoodies on. It's like, why are you wearing her hoodie? You know, it's all tight and snug and everything like that with a waistline and all kind of stuff. And so I took my son and I said, look, I said, I, I could I have a dad. I'm going to show him. I said, look, man, this is these pants right here. I don't know who designed those. Right. Those look like jeggings for a lady. Them ain't for guys. Like you ain't rocking. You, you, we're we gonna find you a place and a, a we're gonna find you, you know, I wanna give him that balance, but I say that somebody behind some closed door that that don't agree with God's design for men designed them pants, but them pants wasn't made for men, you know. And I just was walking them through and trying to show them that that if you let this world direct them, everybody else is doing it, you know, stars will do it, you know, they you got a man, men wearing skirts. Eventually, that's going to become normal. Not not in my house, you know, but you, you, you will look out. I, I've been shocked already. I'm not even shocked no more when I start seeing the trends. But that's the course of the world. So as believers, at times, we got to step out and say, whoa, this is that. I know who's orchestrating this. We make sure I'm not caught up in it because I'm in the world, but I'm not what? Of the world. But it says when you weren't saved, you were caught up in the course of this world. And I was. I look back at when I wasn't saved and many of the things that I would have done just because this is what everybody was doing. This is just the direction things were going in. And so when you weren't saved, you once walked according to the course of this world. Then it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. 
And it says, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So not only did I used to walk according to the direction the world was going in, I also was directed by Satan. Also was directed by the enemy. I didn't know it. You'd ask me when I wasn't saved, like, you know, what did Satan last tell you? I would have I, I didn't have I didn't understand that I was being directed by Satan. I'm able now with my eyes wide open to look back at that era of my life and think, wow, Satan was directing me in a lot of ways. Satan shaped a lot of who I was. And I can look at the things that Satan used to shape me. One thing that I look back and I, I can see that Satan used music in my life. Music was one of those places where things that I wasn't hearing at home, things that I would have been otherwise unaware of. I was being informed and there were things that were being brought into my heart and mind just through music. And so I, I could get a hold of whatever I wanted. That was one way where Satan was giving me direction. I would, I would listen to stuff and then be trying to do the stuff. A lot of people try to say, oh, I just listened to, you know, I used to tell my mom because she would hear, you know, NWA or something. And I would say, well, we just like the beat, me and my sister. Now, I was a lot more than the beat that I was, was into, you know, and so. That was one of the things. There were other things I was exposed to that I watched and saw that those things, Satan used those things to impact me. And so the Bible says you used to walk according to the course of the world, according to the according to the prince of the power of the air. And it says the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so the Bible says it's, it's Satan works in nonbelievers. Can anybody here think back to ways that Satan worked through you when you didn't know the Lord? I, I look back, I see that, too. I look at how Satan used me to influence people to do stuff that they shouldn't have done or wouldn't have done otherwise. Things that I, sins that I was into that I, that I and got other people to do it with me or whatever. He was using my life. It's, this is not to make us feel bad, but God has given you a before picture. This is what your life was like before you met the Lord. Here's the thing. Does your life still look like that? Right. Hopefully not. Hopefully you're saved and you're saying, no, I'm no longer no longer dead and trespassing sins. I'm no longer going along with the flow of the world. I'm no longer being directed by Satan. And I'm no longer the, the, the spirit of Satan the, the, you know, is not, no longer working through my life. Hopefully you see a distinction. What Paul is laying out here is um, this. He's saying this is what I was. And he's got one more in verse three. It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. So it's not it's not some exclusive thing. Everybody that didn't know God did this in some way, shape or form. It says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And so the last thing it tells us is that our lives were they were they were directed or shaped by us pursuing our own lusts. That's we that's how we conducted our lives. A lot of times we look at lust in just a sexual way, but the, the word lust means a strong desire. And some people can have a strong desire for sexual sinful things. Some other people have a strong desire for power, for money, for success. You, you can have a strong desire for a lot of things outside the will of God. But God says that characterized the life of the non-believer. strong desire for what they want. And maybe you can look back at your life and think, man, I remember when I was, I remember when I I wanted that thing, how hard I went. I look back when I wasn't saved, the things that I wanted or the things that I was going after, I went hard. I didn't I didn't do a little bit. I didn't go soft after the things I went. I was all in. And you guys have heard me say this before, but I, I hate to see somebody come to Christ that that I remember they were going hard out there and they come to Christ and it's like, well, now they just get all soft and, and gentle. And it's like, nah, you 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 got to go, you you got to bring that same passion. That you were bringing over there, over here. Amen. And so whatever you used to go hard after, everybody here had different things. Can you say in your life, do you see that transition? 
Have you moved from going hard after, you know, whatever it was for you to where now I'm, I go, I'm going hard after the things that God is speaking to me about? I'm pursuing these things with, with the same kind or, or even more passion than I was pursuing those things with. Either way, Paul says here, that's how we, that's the, this is the life before Christ. It was, we were spiritually dead, going, walking according to the course of this world, directed by Satan. We were sons of disobedience. Uh, we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling our own desires. Um, and we were by nature children of wrath, right? And this is important. By nature, by just be- because that's who we were, we were going to hell. We were children of wrath. And people need to know that, right? Before I met God, I was going to hell. Again, I didn't know it. I was blind to that reality. But the Bible says that's where you were headed. You were a child of wrath. Wrath, the wrath of God was abiding on you. And then we get to verse four. And if you highlight or mark your Bible, you want to circle these two words, but God. And these are wonderful words right here. God is saying, this is what you were. All these things, but God. God is going to intervene as he did for Paul. Paul, who wrote this, when, when God but God it in his life, Paul was on his way to kill Christians. Paul was persecuting the church of God. Um, Paul was lost in religion. You know, the way that the way that Paul's world was, it was a very religious world. And so Paul was like that. I'm about that religious life and I'm going all the way. Paul wasn't soft about his religious life. Paul was like, I'm not just going to hate on Christians. I'm going to jail them, beat them and even kill them. That's what Paul was doing. And it says, but God, God intervened in his life. Everybody think about this with me. If you're a Christian in that era and you you know, the apostle Paul is killing Christians, running up in churches, snatching out pastors prisoning them and beating them and, you know, you know, call for the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. What, what's your mindset about what God wants to do to him? You think God wants to get him? That's what I think most people think. God going to get him. Oh, he's going to die. He's going to be in the worst place in hell. But but what does the Bible say? God did. God went after him. God didn't go after him to get him. Right. God didn't go after him to judge him. God didn't go after him to punish him. What did God go after him to do? Save him. And sometimes we can lose that mindset. We'll look at people do bad things. And I, I hate to hear Christians be like, oh, they're going to go to hell, you know, or that person going, you know, rotten hell. And it's like, that's not what God wants. God would rather save them. I got I got to maintain that heart for for really bad people because God saves really bad people. Right. His mercy runs deep. And so the Apostle Paul, who was doing all these things and assaulting the church, God, God had to go after him himself. And I wondered this. Right. Why did God have to go to Paul himself? Right. Jesus Christ resurrected Christ. He's already back in heaven. He had to come down and evangelize Paul himself. You ever wonder that? Were there no believers that would? Maybe because of maybe Paul was going to go so hard. Maybe God was like, I can't even let you, you, you jailing and killing everybody get in front of you. I'm going to have to come get you myself. But you know what the Lord said to Paul when he came to him? So why are you persecuting me? Paul persecuting the church. God, that's me. That's my body. Why are you persecuting me? And the Lord evangelized that man on the Damascus road, led him to the Lord, saved him, forgave him, gave him purpose and direction, all the things that he wrote down right here. And so when Paul writes, but God, he understands he's writing out a personal experience. This is what I was. I was lost. I was I was a wretch. I was. But God, God. And this is what it says about him. Look at verse four. This is the turning point. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. God can be rich in a lot of things, but he tells us right here, God bless you, that God is rich. He's rich in mercy. Uh, Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. What do we all deserve if we just had to pay for our sins ourselves? Deserve hell. We deserve to stay separated. We deserve to be punished from God. But it says God is rich in mercy. 
What if God was broke in mercy? What if he was just getting by in mercy? How many of us would make it? If you know, God's like, I got enough mercy for it. I got, I got, enough, I got just getting by mercy. Some of us would be like, I, I, I need somebody richer than that. I need somebody with a heavy mercy bank account. Jesus says, look, I'm rich in mercy. I'm rich in not giving people what they deserve. I'm rich in intervening into people's lives, bad people that are doing bad things. I'm rich in my ability to reach into that life and, and to just be merciful, just to take away all the penalty for what you've done. All the bad things that you deserve to take it off of you. I'm rich in that. That's what God says. This Paul says about God, but God, who is rich in mercy. Then it says, because of the great love with which he loved us. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes, right? God wasn't, I mean, Paul was, God was, I would have been mad at Paul, right? If you killing my kids and jailing my kids and abusing my kids and threatening my kids, I'm going to show up. You know, I'm, I'm just that's why none of us are God. Right. If you beat my kids, what you think I'm going to do when I show up? <laughs> Y'all will be visiting me. I'll be pastor, you know, prison code nine, five, eight, seven, zero, whatever. I mean, that's what I think. If you are beating my kids, yelling my kids I, and I got a hold of you, God gets a hold of someone that's been doing all that. And he saves him because God is rich in mercy. But it also says with the great love of which he loved us, God loves sinners. God loves God is good to bad people, you guys. And this is good for me and you, but it also should flow through us, right? That we've received this. We should be some of the most merciful, gracious people in all the world. We should be loving, difficult people because that's how you got saved. Because God, who's rich in mercy, loved on you when you didn't deserve it. And so we got to receive that. We got to take hold of that. But God said, I also want it to flow through you. It says he was rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. And let me read verse five and I want to give us a challenge. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace, you have been saved. So he tells us how he's great love, how he's rich in mercy, the great love with which he loved us. And this is even when you were dead. This is important. He gives a timeline. God didn't start loving you when you got your life together, right? Everybody know that? None of us were able to get our life together until God intervened. And so God says, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, even when you were in that state, even when you were in that mindset, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace, you have been saved. And so we receive amazing mercy and we receive grace. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. I deserve punishment. I deserve hell, but God's not giving it to me. Grace is God's unmerited favor. God giving you and giving me what we don't deserve. I, do I deserve God to be good to me? I don't, but he is. Lavishes upon me. Do I deserve God's loving me? I don't deserve any of it, but God elects to do that for us. And I want to put this challenge out to us. Everybody here that's saved, you're born again. I hope that you can read this today and look back at your own story. Where did God intervene in your, where did, where did but God happen for you? Did that happen for you? Has that come to pass? If it has, when? When were, where, what were you lost in? What, what are the courts of this world have you going? What is Satan, direct, what is Satan directing you? Where were you at when God expressed his mercy? And how did he do that? For some of us, God intervened in our lives through, through godly parents. Some of us through friends, some of us through attending a church service, whatever it was. When did God intervene? How did he do that? Because you need to know that that was supernatural. God didn't accidentally get the gospel through to you. God set that whole thing up. God put you in the right place with the right people. Even when you weren't looking for him, 
showing you that he was looking for you when he came and he met you when he spoke to you so you could hear from him that he loves you and he died for you and you can be saved and he wants to forgive you. How did God do that in your life? What did he do? What, what, how did he orchestrate that for you? been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today. One of the biggest themes throughout Paul's New Testament letter is unity. We live in a culture that seems to love to disagree, but the Bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree. Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what he desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, the number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryinglewood.org. Again, that website was calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.